0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This,
1: this, this is the Rich Eisen Show. Let's go! Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles.
2: I gotta imagine, when a guy like Delvin Cook gets released, who are you hearing from right now around the league? Man, it's crazy, man. You you wanna tell me who? You wanna let let me know where where you're leaning right now, (laughs) Delvin?
1: The Rich Eisen Show. With guest host, Tom Tom Pelissero, earlier on the show. Browns head coach, Kevin Stefanski. Chargers head coach, Brendan Staley. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Tom Pelissero.
2: Great conversations with Brandon Staley, Kevin Stefanski, on this Rich eisen list edition of the Rich Eisen Show. Tom Pelissero here. The final hour for me on this, this oh. stint. I hope I get to come back again. Always a pleasure being with all of you guys. T.J. Jefferson, Mike Del Tufo, Chris Brockman. We'll vote on it. Uh, Savon now. practicing. You can go right. now. You got That's
3: it. That's
2: for your time. <laughs> Savon Diggs practicing. So we shall see if he speaks after practice in Buffalo here. Teams around the league wrapping up their their mini camps in the NFL. Alan Shipnick's going to join us. He was open starting off tomorrow, just around the corner here at the L.A. Country Club. Right now, it's time for... What's more likely?
1: What? What's more likely?
3: Never say never, but never. never.
0: All right, Tom, what's happening? You ready? I am all set. I think this is my second
2: time playing the right. game. I vaguely remember how what it play? goes. I'm going to give it my best shot.
0: Quick refresher. I basically give, hey, do you think this is going to happen? Or this could happen. Right. And then you give an answer. Not not do what Rich does and is like, well, I really don't think either, but let me tell you this other thing that might happen. That's not the game. It's, it's not this, this, neither, and let me tell you this. It's what's more likely, this or this. Got so you it? want a one-word answer? I don't want a one-word answer. Elaborate. Talk it out. But the scenarios are pretty big hypotheticals that are, might happen way in All the right. future. All right. Uh, let's, let's go. Because it's June we'll and we're talking out. NFL. Uh, so what's more likely? Kyler Murray. You heard of him? You remember him? Of course. Quarterback Cardinals? Yeah. Yes. Got paid a lot That's last What's more summer. likely, he plays six or more games this year, or the Cardinals have the number one pick in
2: 2024? <laughs> I think that Kyler does play six games. Really? I think the Cardinals have a pretty good shot at the number one pick. I mean, in order to do anything with Kyler Murray, now and again, everything that I've seen, everything I've heard is that the rehab process is on track. Not ready for the start of the season. But, you know, if you're talking nine months, that's September from the original injury. Nine months is usually kind of a benchmark where you're looking. I'd be surprised if he's out there week one. But as he plays six games, put it this way, if the Cardinals, regardless of what their plan is at the position, whether they want to get Kyler Murray on the field, whether they want to showcase him for a potential trade, whatever it is, I would take these six-plus games, but I also think they do have a pretty good shot at the number one pick. Even
0: if Murray plays shot at the number one pick? I mean, he's
2: not going to play the whole season. And they've got a lot of... Listen, look at everything that they've done going back to the draft. It was all about trading down, amassing additional assets. You shed guys like DeAndre Hopkins to save cash and cap. You're getting all these assets in the 2024 draft. You're doing that to give yourself a chance for a lot of flexibility in terms of moving up and down the board. If you do, in fact win some games. I mean, Jonathan Gannon's not going to roll over here. Jonathan Gannon's not tanky. The reality is the Cardinals are preparing themselves for a rebuild here. They are in the rebuild process, whether that's with Kyler Murray or without him. This is all geared toward 2024. I I think that they're going to be hard-pressed to be competitive in that division this year just because of what they have talent-wise. And the fact that Monty Ossinfort is really just starting the building process but again, you've got you got a bunch of young coaches with no track record in terms of their new jobs. Talked about with Stefanski earlier. Drew Petzing's never been an OC. Nick Rawls, who's like 28 or 29, never been to DC. Gann's never been a head coach. Maybe these guys are the greatest coaches of all time. <laughs> they all had success in what they were doing previously sure. here. But there also there's going to be a growth process with the coaches in addition to the players here. There's always growing pains for teams, especially ones like the Cardinals that you know are trying to do something a little bit different here and we'll see whether that path leads them.
0: Alright, we've seen Lamar Jackson we've seen just uh, Jalen Hurts get uh, big quarterback deals uh, this offseason. Which QB most likely to sign their new blockbuster contract next? Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert.
2: Based on the conversation we just had with Brandon Staley, I would say Justin Herbert because it sure sort of sounds like, I asked him, is it getting closer? Are you optimistic this thing is done before camp? And he said, yes on all fronts. So, I have to think that it's Herbert. The Burrow one, you've got different agent involved who, you know, Brian A. has has presided over holdouts in the past. I'm not predicting that's what's going to happen with Joe Burrow. But, you know, he's a he's a tough negotiator. That's why guys hire him. Um, and the Bengals have a certain type of structure. It's a, It's a challenging deal to get done. I think that the Justin Herbert one seems like maybe it's a little bit further down the road at this point. We'll see. But if I had to guess, I'd say Herbert.
0: Rookie quarterbacks kind of dominated the NFL draft uh, with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. Which of those guys is most likely to win more games in 2023?
2: I would have to say it's Bryce Young, just because that roster in Carolina is pretty good. I mean, Scott Fitterer, the GM there, has done a remarkable job building up the lines, especially the defensive front. They've got young, talented players. Bryce Young is, based on every coach, every scout I talk to, almost unanimously, is the most pro-ready right now to come in and play. Yes, he's smaller. No, he doesn't have the biggest arm, but the processing, the maturity, his football IQ, all those things give him a chance to go out there, be the starter day one. Stroud probably starts day one too. They haven't officially declared that he's going to be the starter, but you draft the number two overall. You don't have like a – I mean, Case Keenum is your backup plan – Maybe Davis Mills in the mix, too. But I have to think it's probably Stroud who starts. But the Texans are, they're in a rebuild process here. They took, you know, big steps this year. Getting the quarterback was a big part of it. They got a ways to go. And then with the Colts, I'm just not sure Anthony Richardson ultimately is the week one starter. Him and Gardner Minshew have been splitting first-team reps through the offseason. I'm sure that Shane Steichen wants to be really careful that they're putting Anthony Richardson in a position to succeed. If that's playing week one, then great. If it's having a role in a package, maybe in the red zone, out of the gate, and then you try to get him starting by the end of the year, history will tell you quarterbacks drafted in the top five, they're starting at some point in their rookie year, barring really rare types of circumstances here. But is he even the starter week one? All that being said, I, I, say, it's, I say it's Bryce Young.
0: Bryce Young. Okay. How about this? Let's go to some team stuff now. Uh, NFC wildcard team from last year most likely to make it back this year? Seahawks or Giants?
2: That's a really tough question. I mean, Brian Dable did a heck of a job with the Giants last year, and they're more talented now. Adding a weapon like Darren Waller is a big deal. If Waller's healthy, which he is right now, he's exactly the type of target that Daniel Jones has not had there. The Seahawks, though, I mean, they made the most of the Russell Wilson trade. Last year, they had one of the best drafts that they've had there probably the best one since I think it was the the 2010 draft wasn't that the one where they got Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and a bunch of other guys. This was the best draft that they've had there since John Schneider is one of the best. They had two first round picks again this year. They had Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Those guys haven't done a lot in the spring because they've had I think they both have a hamstring issue. But I mean that's a that's a pretty talented Seahawks roster. They keep adding more running backs, much to the chagrin of all the people who own Kenneth Walker in dynasty leagues. Uh, They've got, yeah, raise your hand, Brockman. Uh, They've got got really good wide receivers. You had Smith and Jigman now to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And that defense looked a lot more like a Pete Carroll type of defense last year. So that's a tough one, man. They're both going to be really competitive. The Giants, I think, probably top to bottom, have a harder road within their own division. So on that basis alone, I'll lean Seahawks, but I think they're both in the mix.
0: In the Meg. who else do you think uh, sneaks in in the NFC? Is that a? Is that a? I'm just what's asking. More a, I'm asking to follow up to go off the top of my. Yeah. Head? I mean, what's more likely follow up? How many
2: teams are you just crossing off going into the season? There's not that many from the NFC, right? I don't think there's that many teams you just go. This is probably not going to work out.
0: I think Arizona and the Bears you can cross off probably the commanders have a hard road but i mean they were competitive
2: last year with taylor heineke running around and making plays I mean, they were eight one they were right there what can sam howell do i mean there's, there's more questions i think that's fair to say about that team
0: i think the rams, think the rams, the rams were terrible last they year a lot of question marks to the rams to be honest the rams yeah guys coming back right. from injury you don't know what they you're won five there. games last older. year yeah
2: i mean it was a on every level i mean the quarterback gets hurt right the, they lose the pass rusher who ends up getting hurt in Buffalo, but that was a big deal for them. Their big free agent prize, Allen Robinson, just it, the fit did not work out. He was open a lot and didn't get the ball a lot. So that didn't work out. And then obviously, you know, they had other injuries across the board. Aaron Donald missed a significant amount of time. They still have one of the best coaches in the game in Sean McVay. There's no reason to think they can't be competitive here. But I mean, let's be honest, after all the, you know, the bleep them picks years, they did the opposite this year. They amassed picks. There's something like 50 rookies on their roster right now because they just they had to fill it out. So they had a lot more draft picks. They signed a lot of undrafted rookies. They're going to be a younger team. I don't put anything past Sean because he's done more with less in his career. Last year was not the Rams' year. I think they're going to be they'll be hard pressed, but I would
0: never rule out a Sean McVay team. All right, let's go to the North. We taught the AFC North. We talked to Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski earlier. Mm -hmm. Which AFC North team more likely to make the playoffs this year, Browns or Steelers? Man,
2: this is one of those classic high ceiling and high floor type of situations. Like the Steelers, you can bet, are going to be on the doorstep, right? It's Mike Tomlin's team. Yep. Never had a losing season. They're always going to be right there. They're
0: right there last year.
2: I think the Browns have more variance because they didn't win a whole lot of games last year. But if Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson again, there's unlimited upside for how good Cleveland can be. I mean, nobody wants to try to block Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith Mm -hmm. on that defense. Jim Schwartz is going to change the way that they play. He's going to have an attacking style. You know that because he's got a long track record of doing that. They add a guy like Elijah Moore, who they really highly regard as a slot type of receiver, to Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones. They've still got Nick Chubb in the backfield. I, I think that Deshaun Watson's the biggest X factor in all this. That's a tough call. I mean, if you're saying, like, if I'm playing the percentages here, I say the Steelers just because I know that they're going to be competitive. But the Browns are a team that if things go their way, I mean, I don't think it's outlandish
0: to say we could be talking about a team that can contend to win it all. All right, last one. Uh, Free agents. We've been talking a lot about these two guys. Which free agent currently more likely to have the bigger impact in 2023? DeAndre Hopkins or Dalvin Cook? That
2: one's it's Delvin Cook, just
0: based upon the
2: fact that he's coming off four consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. He's 27 years old. He finally got his shoulder fixed. Hop can still play, but he's, he's missed a lot of time between the suspension, the injuries. He's not been that guy, and D-Hop would be the first one to say it. So again, if we're just playing the percentages here, give me the guy who's been productive nonstop for the last... I mean, really throughout his entire career, he tore his, Cook tore his ACL in 2017. But ever since then, he's been one of the game's best and most dynamic backs with Hopkins at age 31, I believe, going on 32. Is he still going to be able to to do it? Is he going to integrate? I mean, there's not a lot of guys who do the things that he, he does. Fit's going to be really important there, whether it's Tennessee, New England, or maybe somebody else comes into the mix. I think that's what's going to dictate a
0: lot of this. Best guest, where do these guys end up? I that's a that's a hard question. I know it's not your game to kind of speculate, reckless. Right. Like this, I mean, but.
2: listen. I think that I think that Dalvin Cook is going to land with a surprise team. I think that DeAndre Hopkins most likely is going to land with one of the teams we think it's going to be. I think that Hop again, it's not out of the realm of possibility that could be done by the end of this week, whether it's New England or whether it's Tennessee. He makes a lot of sense for both of those teams. You know, Bill Belichick likes him a lot. We've heard him say that in the past, how highly he regards Hopkins' game. And then Tennessee, obviously, he's got the relationship with Mike Vrabel as well. I mean, if you're Hop, one of the questions you got to ask yourself, too, is this is kind of your... You're in all likelihood looking at a one-year deal. You're thinking, if I can have a big season, if I can show that I... If I can stay healthy, if I can show I'm still DeAndre Hopkins, I can get one more big contract. Because I'm... You know, wide receivers can be productive into their mid-30s, but i got to show I can do it. Do you want to bet the rest of your career on Ryan Tannehill or Mac Jones? I think that that's a that's a question that you have to consider here. That's now, money's going to drive some of this too. He's going to want to be in the right spot. The, the whole, you know, wants to play for a Super Bowl contender thing is overblown. He's not going to these teams thinking like they're front runners in the AFC. There's a lot of good teams you got to get through in the AFC. Yeah. But you do need to make sure that you're with the right quarterback in this situation because he doesn't want to end up in another spot where he's Is frustrated. it curious
0: to you that no NFC team is involved in DeAndre Hopkins?
2: I don't. I don't think it's it's really an AFC NFC thing. I I think that part of it is the familiarity. I mean, if you ask around, I mean, quite frankly, like if you ask around to people who DeAndre Hopkins has played with, played for, he's not everybody's cup of tea. You're going to get mixed reports on it. But I think that it says something that the two guys who are or two of the guys who are with him in Houston, Vrabel and o- Bill O'Brien, want him. both want him. Right. O'Brien's the guy who traded him away, and there were a lot of dynamics involved in that. But there's not an issue with their relationship where it can't work. And if you're O'Brien and you're trying to get back to being an NFL head coach, why wouldn't you want a guy who's already knows your system, can walk in the door, run the entire route tree, and potentially elevate your young quarterback who you also need to play well if you're gonna be competitive and try to get back into the playoffs. So that's whereas Dalvin Cook, he's a running back. He's a really good running back. Yeah. You can drop him into any one of the thirty-two teams. I mean, probably not back to Minnesota, but the other 31 teams. And he's going to be productive. Now, there's some fits that are going to be better than others. There's no question about it. What did he tell us yesterday? I want to go a place where I'm valued. I want to go a place where I can get in the football. He's not looking to go into some place to be a rotational back. Right. Not at this stage in his career. He's a guy who he gets lathered up. He thrives on volume. That's what he's going to want. What spot is that? Give me, give me the field. If it's Dolphins or Broncos versus the field, which you didn't ask me, I think we could ask that. That would have been a good one.
0: That's a good question. I'll take the field. Got it. (laughs) I'll take the field
2: on Delvin Cook. Uh, Alan Shipnick's going to join us coming up right after this. He's covered all things PGA and live golf. Greg Norman once stared a hole through the back of his head. Let's see what Alan makes of everything going on in the game of golf as the U.S. Open gets set to tee off tomorrow. Right here in Los Angeles, it's Tom Pelissero in for Rich on The Rich Eisen Show.
1: Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs Rockman just out of the blue. Where were you when you sent this tweet, Chris? Oh, I mean, was that on a Sunday? Was it a Sunday night? Don't I don't remember. I was probably just at home And you just said, just you know what? The If the Eagles make the playoffs, I'll take Might a bite out of Mike myself. Del Tufo's yeah. hat. You yeah. said, I will take a bite out of Mike Del Tufo's hat. Yeah. Eagles have made the playoffs, and you have avoided the inevitable for a week. That ends now. I just sliced up um, a one-inch-by-one-inch one cutout of Mike Del Tufo's Callaway hat. And I placed it, like little Easter eggs, into the right. half of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, yep. take a bite, Ugh, here we go, you, here you go, Brockman is, is uh, taking a bite. Did you get a piece of the hat there? Oh, I yeah. think you did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 we You're the one who chose the peanut butter, too. <laughs> Trash can nearby? Nope, you nope, we don't. Oh, hey. There's part of the hat sticking out, I didn't get it <laughs> Oh, that is a oh. that is an awful piece right oh. there, in that in that, that sandwich. And that no, you may not. No, well, no, you to, as no, long no, as you no. eat it. As long as yeah, you eat it. it yeah. Keep going. Ugh. Keep going. <laughs> I didn't go through. No, oh, man, this piece is like right on my tooth. <laughs> Why did you even do this, Chris? You, you know didn't have to. You took the McLovin. Because the Eagles stink. You took They're the McLovin bait. Oh, my God. That was Sunday? Uh, radio audience, I can't even tell if that's a piece of glistening um, jelly a or a piece day. of a glistening jelly, a jelly glistened right Del there? Tufo hat uh, piece. Oh. Down it. Just, I feel like I'm talking to Taylor eating her broccoli. Just eat it, and we'll get off your case. Oh, he just went one bite. He finished it. This is not going to be good because that is peanut butter, and it is jelly, and it is Del Tufo hat, and you just jammed literally... Three inches by three inch piece of sandwich. It was a proud day for my future son. Oh, my God.
0: Welcome back to the Rich
2: Eisen Show radio network. I am sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk furnished by Granger With supplies and solutions for every industry, Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Uh, We watched the video in break of Brockman eating uh, Del Tufo's hat from 2020. (laughs) And I am not exaggerating. I am physically ill. (laughs) I'm sorry you had to see that. Like when you hear, you know, like a drill sound and you like get that ache in your tooth like you're at the dentist. Watching that video gave me like a psychosomatic reaction where I feel like I just ate that hat. Why the peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Did you, do you like peanut butter and jelly? Yeah. Why was
0: that the pick? Uh, yes, I do like peanut butter and jelly. You still like it after that? Um, yes, I actually had one two days ago. Uh, <laughs> Any hat? No hat. No no side of hat. Here's the deal. Before everything, if you look at the date on that video, I think it was January 7th, 2020. Yeah. So we knew what was, obviously two months later, everything mm. was crazy. We used to have the greatest cafeteria here on the the AT&T campus. Like I told you earlier, Tom, when this place
3: was live and there were people. It was bumping. It
0: was bumping. And they had this triple-decker PBJ that they would make. It was like $2. I would get it multiple times a week. And so we just thought that was the easiest thing to just kind of – put a little chunks of hat in there and it'd be easy to go (laughs) down a little bit of that but could you ever eat that sandwich again i would i would be unable not that specific one i would have flashbacks yeah right like
2: if i get sick from you know a certain restaurant like i can't i'll never go back I will never order there if I even if it had nothing to do with the food if I get ill like food poisoning or flu or whatever right after eating a certain food I can never go back to that restaurant.
3: I get that. I remember being no like 5 or 6 and my mom made chili and she forced oh. me to eat this oh. chili like literally it's like no you're eating it and I Vomited? Oh. I I have not since I was six years old chili. eating chili. I'm not a chili guy either. I'm not a chili guy. And nah, that that killed chili, chili for I me. I
2: ate too many craft singles growing up when I was a little kid, <laughs> oh. and now oh. I don't eat cheese. I haven't eaten cheese Kraft in 25 singles. years. Because well, I just cheese. lost the taste. Nah. For it. I go colon colon no cheese on everything. So I mean, you you eat pizza? Oh, that's
0: very healthy. Pizza? That's very healthy for you. I go
2: cheeseless pizza. What is wrong with If I'm going to eat pizza, it's just sauce, toppings, it, you're missing nothing. Yeah, the that cheese, the lie. cheese. That's Here, here's calm. the issue. Wow, Tom, yeah, you've yeah, had yeah. some super the, hot takes today. Yeah. The yeah. American Delicious. like default, which is, hey, we don't know how to develop flavor profiles in our cooking. Let's just dump a bunch of cheddar on it. Yeah. That's like the default on <laughs> Everything, Nachos. Mm. Oh, so,
0: you're from like cheese, the capital of right, the United States. I'm from State, Minneapolis. But you're from Wisconsin, cool. Wisco- in uh, well, Minnesota, Wisconsin, adjacent. Like, come on now. I lived
2: in Wisconsin for five years. And what'd you do? And the issue was in Wisconsin, they would put cheese on things that don't really have cheese on them. Like I one time <laughs> oh ordered, gosh, what? I one time ordered New England clam chowder. <laughs> chowder. At a restaurant in Green Bay, on and it. it came out and covered in cheese. So like I like I I default if there's any chance if I think there's any chance what I'm ordering might have cheese on it, like a garnish or whatever. I always am just like, and if there's any cheese, no cheese on it because it's not always listed on the menu. Right. But when you order something like clam chowder, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> you're not
3: anticipating it. it's like French onion soup with like the <laughs> melted oh, yeah, cheese. Yeah, 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 yeah. Over the top. So when you and I were like rolling around those Englewood streets on Monday and we mm. went to lunch at that taco spot, uh-huh. were you like physically ill because my taco had cheese on it? Or no, was-
2: I don't care. You can, you eat whatever you want to eat. but you. Just- I'm just worried about myself. <laughs> my kids eat tons of cheese. Mm-hmm. They watch that, uh, you know, the Bluey show. Sure. with the, the what, are, what are they? What kind of they're dogs? They're yeah, dogs. They're dogs. Yeah, Bluey's dogs. But like they eat one of the <laughs> things, I think they, they're from New, New Zealand or Australia or whatever. I'm, this is a terrible description of this show for how many times I've seen it. But like they, on the show, the kid, the kid dogs, Bluey uh-huh. and the other one, they God. eat uh, cheese and jam toast. So my kids see this, and now they are obsessed with, B- Dad, B-B-Jack, you eat me cheese Bandit. and jam? One of the so guys I'm like, sitting is literally there, make the toast, spread on a bunch of like strawberry jam, and then just a big slab of Colby Jack on top. Oh. And I'm just sitting there. It's oh. like first thing in the morning. That does sound disgusting. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to get through doing this. But like I suck it up for the kids. I'll make them mac and cheese. I'll oh, put cheese delicious. on the sandwich. I wash my hands thoroughly after Tumbled. Sing happy birthday a few times. You
3: live in a cold place, right? There is nothing better when it's cold. And even when it's warm, then... Tomato soup and a grilled cheese sandwich, you tell me you don't, no. don't no. enjoy that? Even every time that like you say wow. grilled cheese, I get that little like, nope. Nope.
2: Really? Can't do it. But so there's oh, this constant thing and like you
3: a grilled cheese.
0: Yeah,
2: you know, my they'll wife Sarah that. would occasionally joke or some of my friends who know me will joke like, you know, oh, what if I slip some cheese into that? And I'm like, that's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing about you saying that that's funny at but all. You're not
0: allergic or anything. It's not no. like a peanut allergy where you would possibly die. I'm not die. lactose you're intolerant.
2: I just don't tolerate the lactose. You're just not into I it. I will not to- I will not stand.
0: Is that for the, the weirdest cuz like Dan Olofsky has some really bad food takes. Uh, Is that your worst food take? Is I don't think it's a take. No cheese. I'm telling you, if you like, if you
2: travel to other places where they actually know how to cook, there's not cheese on everything. If you go to really good restaurants, they don't just make whatever dish and then go cheese. Here's a big, <laughs> it's a parmesan all Jeez. over this. You know, like you don't, you don't need it. If you know how to actually create flavor profiles, you don't need the cheese. I understand there's like really people are always like, well, there's really good cheeses. And there's ones that taste different. I just blanket statement. There's no cheese whatsoever. I, I just won't do it. Wow. I don't think that's a bad take. It does make my life more difficult because sometimes you're traveling and you have one food option and it's slathered in cheese. Like my flight home, you know, if I'm on, if I'm in first class, it's like, you know, wow. here's the three options. Like, are they all covered in cheese? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm not eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's a pain. That's not great.
0: <laughs> We have a new, new fantasy team name, guys, Pellicero's Flavor Profile. <laughs> Add that to the list. It's a flavor
2: profile. It's a, it's a real. Pretty funny. That's a real thing. Uh, we lost Alan Shipnick, if you haven't figured that out by now. <laughs> he was uh, uh, cannot confirm or deny that Greg Norman was standing behind him when he was last seen. Uh, Alan did have something come up at the U.S. Open. Where it's, I have no doubt, Very there's that photo. I just, <laughs>
3: that's someone that, that, hang that in the Louvre, man. That is an incredible shot. <laughs> it's
2: just unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, we appreciate it. I'm sure Alan will join uh, another time here. So you got Cowboys questions over there, TJ? Is that what I heard? You got something for me?
0: Well, I was going to say, oh. could you just break break down our teams for us? A, yeah. cu- a couple minutes on, and start with Dallas. Uh, what you like, what you didn't like about the off seasons heading into this year playoff chances, et cetera.
2: So ever since Mike McCarthy got to Dallas, he's a, he's a big believer in you build through the draft, you reward your own. You don't thrive on free agency. Wants to be more balanced than they were for a long time in green Bay, where Ted Thompson, the late great Ted Thompson, basically eschewed free agency entirely. Other than a few spot signings here and there, Charles Woodson, there were years, years would go by and they wouldn't sign a single unrestricted free agent because of the cop pick formula, because they wanted to reward their own guys. Mike wants balance, he wants to build through the draft. For them to execute two significant trades in one offseason and not give up that much, I think was really important for them. To bring in Stephon Gilmore, who's still playing at a high level, he wanted to get to a place that he had an opportunity to win. Burnish his legacy, show that he can still perform at a high level. The Colts are going to be in transition. Chris Ballard was willing to work with Gilmore. Trades him to Dallas for, I believe it was a, a fifth-round comp pick. You now have him opposite Trayvon Diggs. You get Brandon Cooks, also on the cheap, mm-hmm. who you now are able to plug into a really talented wide receiver core where you hope Michael Gallup is a year better, now that he's a year further removed from the ACL. Obviously, C.D. Lamb is a really good young player. He'd be the talked-about guy in that draft class if Justin Jefferson weren't also in that draft class. And they've got you know talent in the backfield. Zeke's gone. It's going to be more Tony Pollard. They like the young kid that they drafted uh, out of Kansas. Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn. One of the great stories of of that draft. And with Dak, you're hoping that, you know, he avoids some of the injury hiccups that they had last year through the course of camp. And then obviously he gets hurt right at the start of the season and misses time. They won a bunch of games with Cooper Rush last year. Mike McCarthy should have been a Coach of the Year candidate last year instead of having to hear the annual calls for they should fire him and go after Sean Payton and the other (laughs) nonsense. No, I think the Cowboys are in a great position. They're in a challenging division. I said it yesterday, and you guys immediately jumped on me that they may have the most talented roster in the NFC East. That's taking nothing away from the Eagles. But the Cowboys are a very talented team. They got a really good D coordinator in Dan Quinn. It's going to be Mike McCarthy's offense this time around. Mike, as a play caller, is one of the best in the NFL. He's got the track record to show that. Regardless who the quarterbacks have been, you look at the productivity, you look at the games that they've won, you look at the number of different pieces that came through Green Bay over the years, Mike knows how to call a game. And he's still been doing it, you know. Mike, Mike would still show up at the stadium way early. He doesn't do, you know, wasn't doing the full thing with his his play sheet and whatnot. But he was still going through and doing it like he was a play caller, thinking through different things. Mm-hmm. He would show up at the stadium six hours before kickoff because he wanted to go through it. Now he's back into actually doing this and having this be his offense the way he wants it to run. They're not flipping the terminology because they want to keep things simplistic for Dak. But I, I have every reason to believe that this is going to be a really good. Dallas Cowboys team. They'll have the same pressure that they always do because everybody talks about them. Yeah. Whether you're talking about them because you like them or whether you're talking about them because why are we talking about them? Stop talking about the Cowboys.
3: I feel that I think way. they're going to be a good of time stone, by the way. But, you know, my, my thing is, I, I like Tony Pollard. I think he's done well. But five months after, you know, breaking his leg, I'm just wondering, man, how that's going to translate. Is he going to be ready? And then when you see a back of Dalvin Cook's caliber who's out there looking for looking for a job, I'm like, you know, every year Jerry Jones talks about wanting to win a Super Bowl and, like, wanting to remake a deal with the Lord that he made back in 1992. (laughs) If you're really serious and you've got a Dalvin Cook out there and you've got a a starting back who is coming off of a pretty severely snapped leg, in my opinion, you got to roll the dice, man. you got to throw them on the table. Bring Dalvin Cook in.
2: The issue with Dalvin, it's going to be the money. The money. The Cowboys (laughs) have a lot of resources out there. They've got young guys they want to take care of. I I don't see that being a fit. I mean, I think it makes perfect logical sense, but they drafted Deuce Vaughn for a reason. They do like Pollard. They are optimistic in terms of his recovery. He's going to be good to go. They haven't been afraid to pay people coming off major injuries either. They paid Gallup last year. Obviously, he was not quite all the way back when he got back. They paid Dak.
3: Which, several, is, couple which is years why ago. I'm a little worried about Pollard because right. it seems now that these guys come back from injury, it seems like it's going to take a full season to recover. So- I think that there's
2: a much higher percentage chance, and I'm not saying this because anyone has told me this, but I would say, logically speaking, there's a much higher percentage chance they're signing one of the other running backs that are out there. Dalvin's simply the mo- going to be the most expensive. He's going to have the most competition for his services. There's other guys like Leonard Fournette, who we had on the show yesterday, Kareem Hunt. There's other guys who are sitting out on the market right now that I think probably have a better chance – to end up being the fit for Dallas, just because the the price point's going to be
3: different. Okay, so but would you agree or disagree that maybe looking at bringing in one of those guys might? You not really be able-
2: want the Cowboys to sign a running back, don't you, TJ? I
3: I just like I said, I like Pollard, but coming off that injury, I just don't I don't know what he's going to look like. No one really knows what he's going to look like, and I pray obviously that he turns into the guy that we all hope he can be. But I I, I just don't know.
2: I mean, listen, there's always running backs sitting out there. there there's always running backs every year. I mean, look at the guys who have, like, signed off the street. Like, Latavius Murray, like, two or three years in a row, was just sitting out there, didn't have a job, and then he comes out and runs for 100 yards for somebody. Mm -hmm. He's currently under contract with the Bills because he had a pretty good season once he landed in Denver last year after they signed him off the Saints practice squad where he just had a 100-yard rushing game for a
3: different team. Um, Well, Tom, now, not to interrupt, but now going back to our conversation that we've had, is that the reason why this running back – position seems to be undervalued now because you just got done saying there's so many of them sitting out there so is that why that's part of
2: it and there's a volume of running backs in the draft every year they've been this was a pretty good running back draft you can get those guys on cost control deals early on you know even you know where Jameer Gibbs and B. John Robinson were drafted you're still paying half what Christian McCaffrey's getting by drafting those guys up there it's it's resources it's a high draft pick mm-hmm. but absolutely that depresses uh, some of the market and the fact that there are those veterans. I mean, there's guys who are coming in on like minimum deals or in Murray's case last year, a practice squad deal with the Saints and he comes out and he's a a savvy vet and he can still run and he can come out and he can give you the productivity. So Dalvin Cook, in my mind, is the one who's in a different category because he is a difference maker, because he is consistent, because he can do a lot of different things for you. That's why he's the one who's going to get money out in the free agent market. The other names that are sitting out there right now, I think you are going to have a, a harder time. Somebody's going to offer Leonard Fournette some money. Some I,
3: good players out there. You're right, though.
2: Right. Yeah. You know, Kareem Hunt, somebody's going to sign him at some point here. But it's probably not going to be at the absolute top of the market because it's June 14th, and that money in that market went away back in March absent a really rare opportunity. I mean, how many times have you had a four-time Pro Bowl player? guys made the last four Pro Bowls, come out, four straight 1,000-yard seasons, is a free agent in June. It's like the biggest it gets. For NFL free agent stories at this time of year, that one's just in a different category. Everybody else right now who's sitting out there, they're sitting out there because they haven't gotten their number yet. And that number, generally speaking, sometimes there's injuries and sometimes you can wait and that's going to be fortuitous for you. But generally speaking, if you haven't gotten your number by now, that number is not coming and you eventually have to decide, am I going to wait for an injury? Am I just going to sit and conserve my body and wait till somebody gives me that number because they are in a bind? Mm-hmm. Or do I take the best offer I can get, the best fit I can get, and try to do better next time around? All
3: right. Well, thanks, Tom. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. I appreciate you. <laughs> that was okay. quite the...
2: like. Oh, You had three <laughs> questions, <laughs> and they were all about signing a running back.
3: I right.
0: think Mike McCarthy's going to be a Hall of Famer. If he becomes the first head coach to win
2: a Super Bowl for two different teams, he should be. I think that he's... Right now, you already... He has a Hall of Fame case. I mean, he's got... Would you consider Sean Payton a Hall of Famer? They have
0: Question. They're almost very similar, identical yeah. resumes. Their winning yeah.
2: percentage is very similar. Mike made the playoffs, I believe, more times than Sean did. Obviously, there's the entire Bounty Gate thing where he missed a year, and that disrupted some of it. But, you know, The Saints had that, that downward turn where they went, I think they went seven to nine three years in a row, but then they came back and won double-digit wins several years in a row too. With Mike, it's been probably more consistent. He's building things up in Dallas just like he did in Green Bay. I mean, it's the, it's the year one, year two, year three type of a jump here. I fully anticipate they're going to be really good. If they can come out, if they go to another Super Bowl, if they win a Super Bowl, Mike McCarthy is a lock in my mind as a Hall of Famer. Right now, he's in with a lot of coaches who have won one Super Bowl. He's probably had more consistent success than a lot of coaches out there. I mean, these are the these are the moments that you know legacies are made of, and Mike's 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 aware of you know kind of where he is in his career at this point. The fire is still there. I know that. I know Mike pretty well, going back to my Green Bay Press Gazette days. I've known him a long time. He wants to win. He wants to he he wants to go out and kick everybody's ass, and he also wants to build a sustainable type of a thing here. And they've done that. Like I, I understand, you know, when you don't, especially a team that we again talk about this much, like the Cowboys, that if they don't win the Super Bowl. There's some segment of the NFL fan base that's just going, oh, giant failure, giant disappointment. Look what they've done in terms of how they've built that thing up. And now Mike is putting the pressure on himself. He could have fought and said, Kellen, you're not getting out of your contract. We're keeping you here. They made the decision, and it was good for everybody because Kellen goes and joins Brandon Staley in L.A. Mike takes over the play calling duties. That puts pressure on himself. There's no... There's no Kellen Moore now. It's This is Mike's offense. If they're not really good offensively, Mike's going to take the blame for it, whether that's fair or not. But in my mind, Mike McCarthy's a Hall of Famer. If they win a Super Bowl in Dallas, if he gets a second ring with a different team, I think it should be a lock.
0: Yeah, 10 double-digit win seasons yeah. in 16 years. Sean Payton at 9 and 15. So they're right. Very, so they're, very, very, and very their win percentage, they're both right around 60%, I believe. Uh, yeah, Mike McCarthy, 61%, uh, Sean Payton, 63%.
2: Yeah, so they're very similar resumes. And yeah. for some reason, and Sean's a really good coach, too. I'm not taking anything away from him. We talk about them in such different ways here. They have both won one Super Bowl. Two, generally speaking, has been the stuff that Hall of Fame's made of. Right. And they both have a chance now to win a second Super Bowl in a different place. We should take uh, our last break here. I still do want to get to a couple other teams here. You, you're awaiting the breakdown, Brockman. I know. I'm awaiting the breakdown. You just have looked sad. I thought you were going to ask by now.
0: No, no, no. Well, I, I I understand the clock. We're up against it. I thought maybe you were just coming to, uh, coming to reality. On <laughs> certain <laughs> certain things. That we're going to sign D-Hop this week.
2: I mean, never say never. It's not out of the realm of possibility. He's there now. He's there now. Or headed there today. And he will be there through tomorrow. And then we shall see where the DeAndre Hopkins saga ends for this year since we'll be in all likelihood doing this all over again with him come next March. <laughs> never say never. But- right. <laughs> Let's take
3: a break. Never say never, Tom Pelissero never
2: in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show.
1: on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about
2: What are you yelling about over there, Del Tufo? Uh, Joe Burrow's on the press conference
3: right now. <laughs> Joe Barrow. I I it, I Burrow. I thought it was something. Right.
2: Either something had gone wrong, or what? it was something extremely no, they urgent. Showing,
3: they were showing him talking. Joe Burrow's grown headband out his got, hair.
2: You notice that?
0: Yeah, he got a good headband. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he's. Yeah. Well, he's what also did you just doing say? the headband. He's also doing the um, <laughs> Dawson, uh, Dawson's yeah. Creek middle part. Yeah, the thing. He's doing What's the, the, the what? Song? Like Dawson from Dawson Creek, the, the uh, James Vanderbeek middle, oh, like the middle middle part, part, the butthead, and it kind of like flows off. I mean, I don't have hair. I didn't
2: obviously. think that was. I didn't think that was coming back.
0: I didn't have Joe Burrow as the guy bringing it back.
2: I mean, Joe can kind of do whatever he wants to do, I right? Think Joe Burrow is my guy. Was, hit, guy was hitting home runs at
0: the, the, the Reds batting practice.
2: But I mean, fashion wise, like for a guy as high profile as him, as good as he is, and he will come in dressed like he's straight out of, like, a music video. Like, no one yeah. dresses like that in real life. Oh, he's and then amazing. you see him every other time, and he's just wearing team-issued gear, like logo gear. Right. But then on game day, he's oh, dressed yeah. like he's, he, wa- you know, going down st- the catwalk. He
3: steps it up on game day, you know? Which,
2: I, yeah, you look good, play good. Yeah. But Joe's, his personality, it just surprises me that he's a guy who decides to dress up. <laughs> like, you know, Daniel Jones will walk in with just, like, an untucked button-down and jeans. Yeah. You yeah. know? Joe Burrow goes full on Met Gala every (laughs) single week, whether he's playing the Browns or the Bengals.
3: Joe Cool, love it.
2: What do you got? What do you got for me, Brockman?
0: How good are the Pats going to be this year, Tom? Come on, give it to me straight.
2: I knew you were going to go. You're going to dive straight into this. Oh,
0: Brockman is not.
2: Um, I think that a lot is going to boil down to the Mac Jones, Bill O'Brien combination how well those two work together, how good that offense fits what Mac Jones does. Obviously, he knows... Him and Bill didn't really overlap at Alabama, but there's a lot of concepts that are going to be familiar to Mac Jones. How those personalities mesh, because they are both strong personalities. They've both got tempers. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really interesting dynamic, but let's be honest. Last year, there really wasn't much of a plan on offense. It was... Just kind of slapped together, and Matt Patricia, you know everybody points the you know the bullets at Matt Patricia. What do you want him to do? Bill Belichick made the decision. All right, well, I'm not going to hire an OC. We're just going to let Matt do it. Matt's from the defensive side. He's a really smart guy, but what are the odds that anybody's going to have success in that situation? So obviously, you saw what happened through the course of this offseason. Robert Kraft has his fingerprints on a lot of different things, including bringing back Bill O'Brien, including making sure they didn't lose Gerard Mayo, changing the dynamic a little bit, because Kraft, I would say, by and large, does not get involved in football-specific decisions, unless it's something that rises to the level of For instance, the allegations against Antonio Brown before they released him. And obviously Kraft is going to have a heavy interest in things like that. But these are football decisions that Bill for over two decades has had mostly autonomy. Kraft's around a lot. He talks to him a lot, but that's Bill's thing. Kraft wanted to put his stamp on things this year. He's made very clear that it was a disappointment what happened last year. And so I think that those decisions are going to be a guiding force behind whatever happens with the Patriots this year. I still think that you look at the skill positions and there's some questions about exactly how these things are going to fit together. Juju hasn't been out there during minicamp. We'll see how that evolves through the course of time. They got guys like Kendrick Bourne, who is really talented, has had productivity, but then there's whole games and stretches where he's virtually anonymous within the offense. They doubled down on the double tight end, Thing Bringing in Mike Kosicki, that could end up being a bargain type of a signing for us. We know that they've had a lot of success with tight ends in this specific offense here. And defensively, they're one of the best in the league last year. Keeping Mayo, obviously Bill's one of the best defensive minds in the game. In, in my mind, it's reductive, but this boils down to Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones. If that combination works well, and if you can get Mac... I don't want to say get his confidence back, but I think Mac, you know, he talks about last season and what a disappointment it was. He got away from some things. He played through a lot. He had a really bad ankle that.
0: Really all, bad. That happened on many the last, players, play of, last play of a game.
2: Many players would have gone and gotten surgery. He decided to gut it out. He didn't want to do surgery. He played through that the entire yeah. season. So you couple that with the scheme, with. You know the different cooks that were in the kitchen last year. There were a lot of factors working against Mac Jones. This will give us a much better metric on what Mac Jones is. If he plays well, yeah, I think the Patriots could be a, a playoff team. Why? If he doesn't, I don't. I don't see it.
0: Why did Bill do that last year with the offense? There's a lot of different. Are we ever going to find out the real answer? Why he? Decided I mean, to go with Joe Judge. Failed head coach, definitely failed in New York, and then a Defensive guy that was really bad at being a defensive coordinator on his way out, and then a really bad head coach in Detroit. Well,
2: I think well Matt was a good defensive coordinator. I think that head well, coach and D coordinator are different just skill scored sets.
0: again in the Super Bowl on him. Eight thousand yards of offense in that game to a backup. So I love not, when Fan Brockman not, comes not out. Really a good not that this doesn't haunt
2: him at night all the time.
0: <laughs> Only Super Bowl I ever went to, absolutely atrocious. The mush. I mean, I could have I could have in terms of why
2: in terms of why that happened. There were a bunch of different factors, but it became pretty obvious that if Bill wasn't going to get certain things that maybe he wanted, he was going to do what he's done in many other cases, which is just say he's going to move people around. These people can do it. Was it just arrogance? I mean, I want to say it's arrogance, but I mean, he's the most successful head coach in NFL history. He should have a high degree of confidence that he can pull off anything in this particular case. Yeah. It was, again, I, I think that the, the criticism of Matt is, is you know unfair to a degree because take any defensive coordinator in the league, whether they're good or bad, and tell them you're now calling an offense. How often are those guys going to have success? Like, what, what D coordinator would you trust? You called Dan Quinn. Dan, we need of you that. to be the offensive coordinator now. I just think the now. point
0: is, like, why was that the decision that was made last year?
2: Well, I mean, there's a process you have to go through if you're going to hire a coordinator. you got to do a bunch of interviews. You have to go outside your tree where Bill very much wants to stay in the Patriots tree. I mean, how many times do we see it? Everybody they hire, or a lot of the people they hire, are back for a second time, at least to, like, the big-time types of positions. they got some good young assistants on that team, too, but a lot of the guys that they bring in, it's people from within the nest. It's, It's bringing back Josh. It's bringing back Matt. It's bringing back Joe. So now it's bringing back Bill. I mean, there, there's a long history of this. People get fired someplace else. And much like Nick Saban, who brings people back, people who are out of jobs. They may not even been former Alabama assistants, but they're people who are out of work. He wants to bring them in and have kind of a brain trust. Bill very much believes in the way that they do things. He believes in how they like to play. There's a certain style of football, even though they've Definitely, like melded to their personnel over the years. When they had Randy Moss in 2007, had one of the greatest offensive, greatest regular seasons period in NFL history. They played a different style of offense than they were at the beginning of Tom Brady's career 2000 2001 in that era, and it's different than what they were playing toward the end of Brady's career when they were still throwing it around a lot. But whether they had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez or whether they were relying on different types of players, they, they meld to that, just like they are opponent-specific, they're game-plan-specific in a lot of different things. But that entire mentality, there's a reason, quite frankly, that it hasn't worked a lot of other places, which is if you don't have Bill, if you don't have buy-in from everybody around him because Bill has the pelts on the wall and can show all the Super Bowl rings, this is why we do things a certain way, it's hard to get organizational buy-in. It's hard to make people believe, okay, When Josh McDaniels goes to the Raiders last year and Dave Ziegler, two very intelligent guys, you have to kind of go through a process in which you're weeding out the people who are not on board, whether that's players, whether that's front office people, whatever else, it's hard to get everybody on the same page and to know you're probably going to go down before you go up because you're changing the way everybody does things. And the Raiders had the additional challenge last year of the fact that they had made the playoffs the prior year despite the complete clown show and all the horrible stuff that happened the previous year between Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett and John Gruden and somehow they they patched it together and won a bunch of games with a guy who you know by the following year was the Packers special teams coordinator right so For them to then say, okay, we're going to move from some of these things. We're going to move on from certain players. Even now, moving on from Derek Carr, people say, why? It's you're trying to get people who are from the system. Who would they bring in a quarterback? Jimmy Garoppolo. He's from within the system. Brian Hoyer is the backup. And Brian Hoyer is the backup. All of which is a long way of saying the mentality for Bill is very much, these are the guys who know the way that we want to do things. And that's not just scheme. That is how the building runs. It is the culture of it. It's the way that ego has to reside in certain areas within that organization. And obviously in this particular case, he did something that was so far afield that even though if any other coach had done it, people would have said this is moronic. When Bill did it, it was, this is really weird, but who knows? It's Bill. Maybe it'll work out. And so I think bringing back Bill O'Brien... It's going to be a massive piece of what they try to do is that combination going to work? We'll find out. Thank you very much to Brand Staley, Kevin Stefanski for coming on today. Thanks to you guys, the fellows in the studio. Yeah, Yay. Been a fun You're 3 days. Man. I've enjoyed it. Thanks, Tom Pellicero in on a Rich Eisenlist show. I hope Rich will have me back again. Love being here and appreciate all you listening. You can go home now. Oh.